Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. Life moves fast. I feel like last Sunday was just yesterday. Life moves fast. And if we don't take time to look at our loved ones and tell them that we love them, uh, weeks turn into months, months turns into years. And so let's take every moment to let people know that we love them and we appreciate them. Amen? Church, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 33. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 33. Just want to greet the church this morning. Um, A lot has happened this week. You know, many families in our church have uh, come down with COVID-19. I know it's a difficult time for many. Let's continue to pray for uh, families in our church and uh, uphold them in prayer um, and to trust the Lord in this season. Let's not let fear dictate our life, but let faith dictate it. Also, we know that uh, Dr. Stephen's mother passed away this week. Um, You know, one of the things that I I most remember about her is I remember her speaking at this church. um, And I remember looking at Bettina saying, I want to be like her when I grow up, you know, small in stature, but mighty in the spirit of God. She leaves a legacy for each of us, and our hearts grieve with Dr. Stephen and Sister Blessing and the family. And um, we pray that her legacy will continue um, in those uh, in our church. Um, church, I don't know if you also know this past Friday we had Metro students. Um, I know many of you are bringing your children here. The church is slowly, more and more young people are coming from, not just in our church, but in the city. We're seeing a dynamic move of God on Friday nights, and we pray that you will continue to invest into that. Continue to encourage Pastor Ruben and those on his team to see that a revival would break through, um, not just in our generation, but in the generation after us. Amen. Amen, church. Matthew chapter 21. Church, we are in a new series called The Parables. The subtitle of that series is, He Who Has Ears, Let Him Hear. Parables are an interesting tool used by Jesus to teach. Oftentimes, Jesus used um, agricultural themes. You know, he would use planting and seeds uh, to explain the kingdom of God. And, And he was never really talking about planting. He was talking about the kingdom of God. And so I want to show you a quick picture of my backyard right now. Um, my mother-in-law has been trying to teach me and my wife how to take care of plants. And um, we have decided to invest in a bunch of plants, and we're not sure if they're going to make it. Because uh, unlike many of you, I do not have a green thumb. My mom can make anything grow. My mother-in-law can make anything grow. I mean, they send me photos every day of the pavica and uh, Kovica and all the other kind of Indian vegetables I cannot pronounce, you know, um, and they'll send me photos of it. And so we, uh, we, you know, right here, we don't have anything that bears any kind of fruit, just flowers, and those also die. Um, and one of the things I want to show this next photo is we bought a hydrangea plant, you know, um, this one. So if you noticed, uh, when it arrived at our house, it was nice. And then if you look on the, on your right side, Look what happened to it after just a day or two under my care. 
uh, it wilted. I remember going outside wondering, what is wrong with this plant? Why does it look like this? And my mom was like, you are the problem. <laughs> and so I realized, oh, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to water the plant. You're supposed to take care of the plant. So, you know, the next few days I started watering it. And I was really surprised how much water makes a difference for a plant. You can see that it's actually starting to grow just in one day. It's not an easy thing to do. And my mom, my, both my moms tell you it's a step-by-step process. It's very easy. Just follow the process. But at the same time, they say it's a mystery. We don't know how these things grow. And I'm like, well, why does yours have flowers and mine doesn't? It's the favor of God, Monet. It's the favor of God. You know, it's a process, but it's also a mystery. In the same way, when Jesus spoke from the parables, the simplicity of the story is that it is a process to come into the kingdom of God. But as you continue to understand the parable, you realize what a divine mystery and favor it is. Let's, re- let's read one of the more stranger parables of Jesus in Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 33. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it. He dug a wine press in it, and then he built a watchtower. He rented the vineyard to some farmers, and then he moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. Verse 35, the tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed one, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first, and the tenants treated those servants the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. Verse 38, but when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir, come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, Jesus says, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Verse 41, and they replied, they will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent that vineyard to other tenants. Whom, who will give him his share of the car- crop at that harvest time. It's a very interesting parable about a vineyard, the kingdom of God, some tenants. I want to illustrate two things about the kingdom of God and the vineyard of God from this text. I want to show you how much God cares about his kingdom, how much God cares about his plants, his vineyard. The first thing is this text is showing God what great lengths, what can he do? What more should he do for his vineyard? We'll see that in a second. And the second thing is not what only will he do, but who will he send to take care of his vineyard? What will God do for his vineyard, and who will he send to take care of his vineyard? The main point for this morning, church, is this. We hear, but we do not understand. We see but we don't truly perceive. If that is the case, which kingdom are we really in? Which kingdom are we really in? Can we take a moment as we enter this text to evaluate God? Holy Spirit, I come before you. I ask that you would evaluate me this morning. Which kingdom am I really in? We are living in a world amidst pandemic, racial strife, political and legislative turmoil, frayed foreign affairs. It is a whirlwind of dilemma where we see the kingdoms of this world warring against each other. But there's a call to another kingdom right here and right now. Do we see it? Do we hear it? 
do we want to join it? Amen? First, what more should I do for my vineyard? Before I take us into Matthew, I feel like I need to put this parable in its context. So if you don't mind, I know I usually take you to one place in the Bible, but do you mind opening up in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 5? Verse 1, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. I want to put this parable, Jesus' parable, in context with another parable. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. Let me read it to you. It says this. I will sing for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up, cleared it of stones, and he planted it with the choices of vines. He built a watchtower in it. He cut out a wine press in it, and he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Does that sound familiar as you read it? You see, Isaiah used parables as a tool to teach people. In fact, parables were used throughout with, with the prophets of the Old Testament, and so when Jesus came to teaching parables, they knew this must be a prophet because he teaches like the Old Testament prophets. Not only did Jesus and the prophets use parables, but in this particular case, they're using the same parable. It's the same exact story. A man has a vineyard. He took care of it. He put up a watchtower. He made a wine press. It's the same parable. Isaiah 5 and Matthew, we're seeing the same parable. What does this teach us? That God has not changed. That God has been speaking the same thing for thousands of years through his prophet Isaiah and now through his son Jesus, we are hearing the same thing from the mouth of God. God has not changed yesterday, today, and forever. The other thing I want to teach you as a student of God's word, do your best to use Old and New Testament when you study the word of God together. Because that is when you will see, like, like looking through your left and your right eye, looking through Old and the New Testament, you'll begin to see clearly the kingdom of God. Jesus was not speaking into a vacuum when he was talking to the Jews. He knows that the people, the Jewish people, are steeped in prophetic understanding. They understand the text of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and others. So when Jesus began to speak about a wine press, when he talked about a watchtower, when he talked about a vineyard, everybody knew what he was talking about. To help understand that, it would be like if I came up here and I said, there was a man named Humpty Dumpty, you know? The young people here are like, oh, I know who he is. He's about to fall off a wall. I didn't have to say anything. I said his name, and I began to tell you a story, and a bunch of other information came into your mind. If I said, I want to talk about Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella and the Dwarves, if I say that, another story comes in as I begin to say it. Same thing happens when Jesus said, there's a vineyard. Everybody knows this other story as Jesus begins to share this. Jesus' the Jewish people's mind raced back to the original story of the vineyard. And in this story, God takes care of the vineyard so much, but it still produced bad fruit. It produced bad, wild, sour grapes. So God asked the question in Isaiah 5, judge me, judge me. What more should I do for my vineyard? I have set it up on a fertile hillside. I have dug up the ground. I have cleared it away of all the stones. I've planted the best vine there. I put a watchtower there. I put a wine press there. And then I waited. I've done everything for my vineyard. I waited for the best grapes. But every year, this vineyard only produced sour, bad, 
wild grapes. What more can I do for my vineyard? It's one thing, church, when a vineyard bears no fruit. That's one thing. But it's an entirely different thing when it produces bad fruit. Because then there's production happening. Deep within the vine, there is an active progress happening. But it is dark, evil, wild, and contrary to the plan of God. It is a vivid imagery to see a vineyard that is producing bad fruit. This is about the people of God. In this text, in Isaiah, it's about the Jews. It's about the Israelites, pre-exile. But Jesus takes the same story and he preaches it again to the people. And they hear it and they're asking, wow, is this the story about the bad fruit? Why is he talking about that? In that moment, as you listen to the parable, if you have ears, you will ask the question, who is, who is bearing bad fruit? Who's bearing bad fruit? Good, a good vine cannot bear bad fruit. Only a bad vine a bad tree can bear bad fruit. As the parable begins to reveal its mystery into the heart of the listener, I'm asking, is it revealing it to you today? Will you take a moment to evaluate the fruit of your life? Are you, it's one thing if you're producing no fruit, but are you producing wild grapes, wild fruit in your life? Can you hear, can you see, can you see that the vineyard, that God has done everything for the vineyard to take care of it? but it's still producing the wrong thing. What more can God do in our life? What more can he clear away? What more stones can he take away? What more protection can he bring? What more watchtowers? What more wine press? What more abundance can he bring in our life? And we still produce bad fruit in our life. Look at all that God has done and evaluate the fruit in our life. There was this uh, young college uh, physics student, uh, and this was true even in my days at the University of Texas. Sometimes our physics professors would ask us to teach class, and this is the story of another young man. It was his turn to teach the physics class, and it was his turn to teach on the law of the pendulum. So the student comes forward and takes about 20 minutes to carefully teach the physical principle of a swinging pendulum, and if you know what the law of the pendulum is, it's basically this. A pendulum in which is basically a ball that swings back and forth. Everyone know what a pendulum is? The law of the pendulum is, is a pendulum can never return back to a point higher than from what it was released. So if it was released here, when it returns, it will never go higher. It will always come lower than the last time it came back. Why? Because of friction, because of gravity. It slows down until finally it comes to rest in the middle. That's the law of the pendulum. So the young man comes forward, and he, on the blackboard, he ties a kid's toy, he puts a thumbtack, and he lifts it up, and he lets the toy go. It goes across the chalkboard, and it comes back. When it comes back, he marks it. It goes back, comes forward, and every time it comes back, he'll mark it. And every time the toy comes back, it comes lower and lower and lower. So the student looks at the class and says, how many of you believe in the law of the pendulum? Everyone raised their hands. Of course, it's a law of physics. You have to believe it. And the, he looks at the professor. What about you, sir? Do you believe in the law of the pendulum? And the professor said, of course. You've proved it. He's like, okay. And so the professor thought the lecture was over. But in reality, it was just beginning. 
professor gets up. He says, thank you, sir, for coming up. I would like for you to sit down in this chair. And he said, what's going on? Sit down. What he had not known is before the class, the, the, the young man had put a 250-pound ball and tied it to the ceiling and had a real-life pendulum ready for the class. So he tells the professor, I want you to come and sit over here. He brings the pendulum ball, and he brings it to his face. And he says, now, if the law of the pendulum works, if I release this, it should not come past the point of its release. It should go back and come forward and not hit you. So I'm going to put this right in front of your nose. Do you agree, professor? And professor's like, hey, hey, yes. You know, if he was an Indian professor, he you know, puts it right there. And he says, so, all right, I'm going to go ahead and let it go. This should work, everyone. No one worry. It's the law of the pendulum. We all believe in it, right? So he lets the pendulum go. The ball goes all the way to the classroom. It reaches its apex and as it begins to return, you have never seen a man move that fast in your life. The professor jumped off the stage, fell on the floor, and the pendulum returned and went back and forth. And then the young man looks at the class. So does our professor really believe in the law of the pendulum? And everyone said no. Church, there is a difference between saying you believe in something with your mouth and even teaching other people to believe it. It's a totally different thing. To actually live it out, put your full trust in it. Church, oftentimes when we say we are part of the kingdom of God, we tell everybody we are. We even teach it to other people. But when it comes our chance to fully trust in the laws of the kingdom of God, do we put our full weight and trust in it? What more can God do? When you jump off the stage like the professor, that is not a form of good fruit in life. That actually shows another kind of fruit, another thing that you're believing in. You'll teach it with your mouth. You'll say it with your mouth, but you totally don't believe it. God does not want to control you or me. God does not want to scare me and you. God doesn't even want to leave me and you. He wants to be with us. That's why he created a vineyard, so we'll be planted near him, taken care of by him but we should produce good fruit when that happens in our life. Let's examine ourselves. Church, I know what I'm saying right now might be hard, and you're thinking, man, pastor, I mean, we're going through hard times. Why you got to preach like this? C.S. Lewis says it best. God whispers in our pleasure. God speaks in our conscience, but God shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to wake up a world. Oftentimes, church, our world and us, we go through pain, and it is our chance to truly hear God and truly tell the world where we put our faith. Here's the thing about grapes. You know if it's good after you press it, after it goes into the wine press and it's crushed. That's how you know when it is good. Church, when we go through these difficult times in life and the fruit of our life is seen, these trials in our life crush us and what comes out will prove what kingdom we are really in. So during these times of trial, church, can I call you to, pray, to bear good fruit? What more can God do? Look at your life and see all the goodness that he has done in your life. Could you take a moment and just thank God for protecting you, for being a watchtower for you? Can you thank him for removing the stones in your life? Can you thank him for making everything fertile around you? Can you thank him for what he's done? And would you thank him with good fruit in your life? 
Amen, church? Second thing is this. What more can he do? But he also says, whom should I send? So now Jesus takes the Isaiah parable and brings it into Matthew. He says, okay, let me actually answer the question. God says in Isaiah, what more? You judge me. What more can I do? Then Jesus says, I'll tell you what more. There was a man with a vineyard, and everyone now knows the story. They're thinking it's the end of the story. Bad fruit, right? Jesus continues the story. The landowner wants to come back. He will not abandon his vineyard. The landowner will not abandon the vineyard. He is going to come back. He owns it still, and he wants to see how the harvest is this year. So he's going to send his servants to see what the harvest is like and under the, te- under the care of these tenants. So his servants come to check the fruit during the time of the harvest. The, the renters of the property, they see the, 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 the servants coming. And what does the text say they do? They beat one. They killed one. And they stoned another one. It is a wild thing to do when the owner of a place sends someone and that's how you treat their servants. The people listening to this story think this is a weird story. They beat and killed and stoned? So then Jesus said, oh, I'm not finished. After that, the father said, I'm going to send them more servants. Not these three. I'm going to send them even more. Maybe they didn't understand. I'm going to send them more. What happens? The same thing. These tenants kill, stone, beat the servants. So the landowner said, man, something is wrong. Again, the people listening to this parable, they cannot believe what they are hearing. This is outrageous. Then the landowner says, I'm going to send my son to them. What does the text say? They will respect my son. They will respect my son. That is what the landowner thinks. They will respect my son. I've done everything I can for them, but now I'm going to actually send them people. I'm going to send servants, and I'm going to send my son. Let's think about this vineyard. This entire vineyard was given to these tenants. They did nothing for it. They didn't dig it up. It was the landowner that dug it up. He cleaned it. He removed the stones. He planted it. He cared for it, built a watchtower, built a wine press, built a wall, did everything. And then put these guys in charge of it. These men have no legal right to the land. They have no legal right to even lay a hand on the servants, let alone talk back to the son of the master. But now, here comes the son. Instead of realizing their foolish behavior of what they did to the servants, what did they do? You can see in the text, they conspired. This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take all of the inheritance from him. Think about this. I, even us listening to this are thinking, this is such a foolish, ridiculous thing to do. You know what this is, church? Bad fruit. This is not no fruit. This is a production of evil deep inside of us. Now, I'm not going to say no fruit. I'm going to leave the vineyard. I'm going to actively create another kind of fruit. Foolish, broken, sinful thinking and behavior. Producing evil, dark, wild grapes. Even no fruit would be better than this fruit. The listeners of this parable, 
the listeners of Jesus, they're hearing these people and they're saying, can these tenants not see what's happening? Can these tenants not understand what's happening? This is not their vineyard. This is not their vineyard. How could they do that to the servants? How could they do that to the master's son? This is so shocking. It is in that moment that the truth settles on many of them. And it may even be settling on you now. Wait, what is this story really about? It's not about a vineyard, is it? Everyone's looking around. What is this really about? Whose vineyard are we in? Who, who am I in this story? Can I hear? Can I see? If I am in this man's kingdom, then I must have been one of these killed, beaten, or stoned servants. If I'm in the kingdom, that's who I am in the story. I'm a servant, but that's not me. I have not been killed, beaten, or stoned. Therefore, I must not be in the kingdom. Then that must mean I am one of these wicked tenants. I am one of these stewards. Is that me? The voice of Isaiah now is ringing with Jesus' voice. The Isaiah story and the Jesus story are mixing together. And they're hearing Isaiah say, always hearing, but never understanding. Always seeing, but never perceiving. If I'm the wicked servant, then who is this Jesus standing in front of me? Who is teaching me about the vineyard of the Lord? Don't tell me that this is the master's son. This is his son. Now the parable is opening up even more. First, the parable will reveal to you who you are. Then a parable will begin to reveal to you who his son is. And at that moment, they realize, I am the wicked tenant, and this is the master's son. God asks, whom shall I, what, sh- what more can I do for my vineyard? I will send my own son into the vineyard, and they will respect my son. But church, the great truth is, we live in a world, and even deep in our own heart, we would rather kill the son than surrender to the son. We would rather take credit for all the grapes in our life than saying that the grapes really belong to the master. Why do we fight for what's not really ours? Why do we kill and steal and and, and speak against such a loving owner? You know, church, when we examine the plants in our Christie, you know, I know I don't have a good one, but when we examine the plants in our Christie, when the plants are withered, when it's not producing, we know we need to go fix something. In the same way, God is looking down at his church. He's looking at many of us in our life. We are his vineyard. We are his Krishi. <laughs> and he's coming and he's examining us. Are we withered? Are we dying? Are we connected to the source of life? Are we producing fruit in our life, good fruit that he is asking? You know, many of the young people, uh, they'll tell you, whenever their mom or dad gets a kariapla in the house, sometimes that kariapla gets more attention than the kids do, right? You give everything. I mean, you're giving. I mean, I've seen people feed eggs to their kariapla. You know, they're covering it, pulling it inside the house, pulling it outside of the house, keeping it safe. I mean, guarding it. Like, you know, you have a kid, too. Oh, the kariapla is my, my main son. That same love, but 100 times more, God has for me and you. He's telling you, what more do you want me to do for you? I will do whatever it takes to help you bear that fruit in your life. In fact, I will send my son into your vineyard, into the vineyard to care for you. Church, can we look at our life? 
I don't want you to be upset at me for talking about this, but it is actually in the season of hurt, in the season of trial that you need to hear this message because it's when you can most clearly see the fruit in your life. You can ask God, Lord, make me bear good fruit in my life. Everything has been done for you. Will you be welcomed into the vineyard? Will you produce fruit? Church, can we just stand to our feet as we move into a time of worship? I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and then we're going to worship God. You know, and after our time of worship, we're going to move into a time of communion. And communion will be another time for you to express your worship unto God. Church, can we just reflect on what kingdom we are in? Which kingdom are we really part of? What kind of fruit are we producing in our life? God has done everything he can to protect us and keep us safe and to see us flourish. Not more than that, he has also sent everyone that he can, servants of God, and even the very Son of God to us. What more can he do? So now if you have ears, I pray that you would hear right now. That you have eyes, the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your life will be opened right now. And that you will surrender. You'll say, God, I'm not looking at anybody else. I'm evaluating my own life. Lord, forgive me if I've produced bad fruit. And Lord, make me produce good fruit in my life. So that when the world crushes me, when the world presses me, they will see the good fruit you have produced in my life. Lord, we surrender right now. Church, would you open your heart? Would you speak to God right now? Would you surrender your life to him? Would you say, God, you are the king. You are the owner of the vineyard. You are in charge. All the fruit of my life belongs to you. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Would that be your posture as we worship God this morning? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.